0: Alright, so if you grab one of the things in these tables here, over in the bottom right hand, you can actually scan this uh, with your QR reader and your smartphone. This will bring up the element dispatch, if you actually want to read it on there. Uh, also, if you, if you don't have a smartphone, you got a dumb phone, on the, on the bottom we have the web address. You can just go online and look at it as well. And this is kind of what they look like. Mikey promises we're going to be doing these every two months. Say bi monthly because that could actually be like twice a month or every other month because the American language is just crazy like that. So, uh, this is what it looks like. The ones in the back are full color. This one we cheated on because it's like black and white, but in the back it's like full color so you can look at it. Whatever. Uh, I, last week when we did the whole um, green thing, you know, we talked about God and creation, stuff like that. I should have worn this shirt, right? Cause it... yeah. Or not. Alright, welcome to Element. If you are new, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables throughout the room. Uh, if you have a smartphone, you get an app. It's called YouVersion. You click on Live after you download that app. It'll bring us up by GPS in your smartphone, and you will get all the sermon notes, the questions, and the verses that we go through today. Alright, why don't you guys stand there? Read are reading God's Word. got a lot to get through. You'll be happy when I'm done. I promise. Genesis one twenty seven says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let's pray. Father, this morning I do ask that we as a people would understand our place in your creation. And that we wouldn't get a big head because of it. But we become very humble people. Those who honestly serve and worship and love you. And show the rest of the world what you are like by the way we live our lives. Amen. Have a seat. So, this is Genesis uh, hopefully, uh, if you came back next year, which isn't too hard of a stretch for some of you, uh, we'll still be going through the book of Genesis. Woo-hoo. Uh, this is week five. We covered a lot of stuff up to this point. And if you've been through all the weeks up to this, today will make perfect sense to you. It all goes together. Uh, some people have asked me, so what else can we get out of Genesis 1? I've been here five weeks. What else can we get out of it? Well, what we can get is us, you and me. We can get out of there because today we talk about us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, give you some information and you'll be like, oh, this is wonderful, and we'll just be all together on the same page. Uh, the Hebrew scriptures start like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, this is what the word God looks like There. Looks like this. This is the word Elohim. In verse 2, it says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you have Elohim, God, who has some sort of Spirit. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so God speaks words, and everything comes into existence. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it talks about how Jesus is the one who brought all these things into existence. John 1, 1 says that before we know Jesus as Jesus, Jesus was known as the word, and so what you have is you have this verse one, this God, this God creates things. Verse two is some sort of spirit, and verse three some sort of word. And what happens is you have God is one yet several, multiple persons, one God in community. This is actually a really odd way to start a very long book. Uh, I'm going to show you some interesting things that happen in Genesis 1. Uh, the word for create in Genesis 1 is the word bara. Uh, we talked about this the first two weeks. If you missed it, go get the podcast. You forgot, listen to the podcast. It's all up there for you. Uh, the word bara is used in three different places in chapter 1. The first two times it's used once. The last time it's used three times. So there's this kind of idea about God and creation showing forth this three, in oneness. And not to get all weird on you. Don't go all Bible code. Got to find the hidden things in the Bible. I'm not talking about stuff like that. But just to show you the intricacy of what happens in Genesis 1, you can ask, are there other patterns in Genesis 1 as well? Well, yes. Uh, Verse 1 has seven words in it in the Hebrew text. Verse 2 has 14 words, seven times two. The word earth occurs 21 times, seven times three. That went up to the first grade. I can do math like that. The word God is used 35 times, 7 times 5. The words it is so is used 7 times and God saw is used 7 times. There's this patterns of threes and sevens. If you're a poker player with the pattern of threes and sevens, you're probably thinking, are there any tens, right? yes there actually are tens uh, to make is used ten times and God said is used ten times three times in relation to people seven times in relation to creatures let there be like let there be light is used ten times three times for things in heaven seven times for things on the earth it's kind of like this writer maybe had a little bit of help in putting this whole thing together in day one creation starts day seven God rests and God places man right in the middle of this vast creation how in the middle does God place man in this creation well that's kind of want to show you a little bit this morning how in the middle this works uh, scientists agree today that our universe has about a hundred billion galaxies okay that's a lot right i think it's a rounded number because another thing is like 100 billion, right on the nose that's amazing 100 billion who counts really uh, the estimate is that each of these galaxies contain about 100 billion suns again estimate i'm assuming so when you get to the bigness of the universe some bizarre things start to happen like, we have these stars. They are called neutron stars. They have such strong gravitational pulls that they collapse in on themselves. They weigh several hundred million tons and yet can fit in a teaspoon. Strange things happen in the vastness of our universe. Take light. We, we all kind of take it for granted of what light actually is, but light comes from suns in the form of particles called photons. Photons travel at the speed of light. Let me try and help you understand where I'm going to go with this. Now, if you're standing in the street and, and a car comes barreling down at you, right? Say, and this car is coming at you and you decide not to run out of the way but decide to try and outrun it like an idiot, right? I'm going to run out the car. And and so imagine this car is coming at you at 20 miles an hour and your top speed is 10 miles an hour, right? And you, like, you ate a lot of Twinkies, right? You just got 10. That's all you get, right? And so you look back. Car's 20. You're 10. You look back. How fast is that car coming at you? Ten miles an hour, See, right, junior high, there we go, we've all made it. Newtonian physics says an object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon an outside force. So we're taught cause and effect, A plus B equals C. Now light travels at 670 million miles an hour. That's really, really fast. If you stand in the street and you see light coming at you, and you decide I'm going to outrun it at 1, 5, 10, a million miles per hour, you look back at light, light still barrels down on you at the speed of light. It's almost impossible to comprehend what this looks like. Einstein, in 1957, was perplexed that light doesn't follow any rules of Newtonian understanding. And so this is what he says. He goes, the universe is not static. Light is not A plus B equals C. Light does what light wants to do. When you get to the bigness of the universe, it warps and it bends. The bigness of our universe always defies comprehension. Now, if you go the other direction, at the smallness of our universe, the same thing kind of happens there. For the longest time, we thought that the smallest thing that we could find was an atom. Okay, atoms are small. Things are made up of atoms. If you want to see an atom with your naked eye, you need to be about one billionth of an inch tall. Uh, put this in perspective for you: uh, as an orange, or as a the Earth is to an orange, not to scale, right? Unless that's a really big orange or a really small Earth. Okay, is an orange to an atom. Okay, So that's, that's about the size difference. Uh, if you wanted to count the number of atoms in a drop of water, it would take every person on our planet counting one atom every second for the next 20,000 years to count them all. Okay, so atoms are very small. So if you had the tools in your backyard to maybe take apart an atom like so many of you do, you find atoms are made up of neutrons and protons circling around the center are electrons. Electrons actually orbit around several billion times a second. They're very busy. If you have bonded atoms together, they'll have a collision about every three, three billion collisions every second. In 1890, a scientist named J.J. Thompson said, well, what if we could build a machine? I could take the atom apart, get to the very basic building blocks of the universe, split the thing that makes up the thing so you can figure out what all the things are, things, <laughs> like that kind of thing, right? All right. So they found that you can split the atom into something smaller. They called these quarks. Who knew? Atoms are made of quarks. That's amazing right there. And then they found you actually spent a, a split a quark into two. so you can split the thing that you can split the thing, split the thing <laughs> in, into Now, anything that's smaller than an atom, we call subatomic particles. Today, we have found and identified at least 100 different subatomic particles. They have names like mosons and bluons and leptons. I call them the soons because they're all just kind (laughs) of like that. Now, this very list of small things that people study is the realm of quantum physics. In the subatomic realm, things get really weird, just like when you get to the largeness of the universe. They found a quark can be in one place and disappear and, and reappear somewhere else and not have to travel the distance in between. They've also found quarks are capable of simultaneous duality, meaning the same quark can be in two places at the same time. In 1949, Bell's theorem came about that said if you split an atom in half and you put half in New York and the other half in L.A., and you reverse the spin of the electrons or the one in New York, at the exact same moment, the ones in L.A. would actually spin the opposite direction as well. This makes very brilliant scientists, when you ask them questions, say things like... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. This is just amazing to me. Uh, you get leptons. Leptons exist as individual subatomic particles, but they have never found any leptons actually existing alone. They always exist in community. And because of what they keep finding as they go smaller and smaller and smaller, brilliant atheistic scientists say that the universe now at its core is some type of unpredictable energy that some relationship of energy the universe made up of all these relationships of energy, and it's uncontrollable. They're beginning to use words like personality, and that this energy that holds things all together has a mind of its own, and we cannot conquer it. It's beyond what we can actually comprehend. It's amazing, amazing stuff. Now, Genesis 1, one, you know, God, spirit, word, three in one. Genesis, you know, God makes man. In the Hebrew text at this point, it's interesting because the only time God says it's very good is when it is related to man. I told you he makes Monday. He doesn't say it's very good. You say, it's Monday. Monday is just Monday. We don't say any good things about that at all. But when he makes trees and animals and land, that's all good things. So continue with me on this line of thought. Scientists have now found a a planet in our galaxy that's hurtling through space at 67,000 miles per hour. What it does is it spins around in circles at 1,000 miles per hour. You know what we called that planet? Earth. Earth. That's why when you come out of the womb, they should just hand you you a seatbelt and say, Hang on for the ride. It's going to be a crazy one. The the Earth receives 99% of her energy from the sun. The sun gives us 4 million tons of energy every second. Over an 11-year sun cycle, that varies less than one-tenth of 1%, all at a distance of 93 million miles. 92 million miles, no human life as we know it on Earth. 94 million miles, no human life as we know it on Earth. Now, the Earth is unique because it tilts on an axis at 23.5 degrees. So it kind of always sits like this. So when you see the cows on the side of the hill and they're eating the grass, and you're like, "Eh," they're actually straight up, right? We're tilted. They're just trying to hang out What's supposed to be. Now, if the earth didn't tilt, it'd become what's called tidally locked, meaning one side would always face the sun, so we'd still rotate, but we, one side would just face the sun the entire time, and the other side wouldn't get any sun. This would cause one side to get hotter and hotter and hotter, one side to get colder and colder and colder, until no human life is viable on the earth. 23.5, just Right. Now, why does it tilt 23.5 degrees? Well, 40 per, 40% is gravitational pull from the sun. The other 60% is gravitational pull from a rock that we call the moon. Now, the moon allows Earth to sustain life. Some people say, well, the moon was just an asteroid flying by, got caught in our gravitational pull and ended up just right. Really? Really? Okay, whatever. Uh, here's another number for you, .007. Hydrogen on Earth must convert one seven thousandth of its mass to helium continually, consistently to sustain human life on Earth. 0.008, no human life as we know it. 0.006, no human life as we know it. Our atmosphere is 21% oxygen, 23% no human life as we know it, 19% no human life as we know it. Our oceans are 3.4% salt, which is the exact percentage of salt in the human bloodstream. 4% salt, no human life as we know it on Earth. 2% salt, no human life on the Earth as we know it. This is called the science of fine-tuning. There are hundreds and hundreds of these things that make life on Earth possible. We're in what's called the Goldilocks zone. It's like a perfect place for a planet to sustain human life. Now, every once in a while, you'll see a news or a magazine report that comes out and says, Oh, we found a planet circling a far star. It's in the Goldilocks zone. It's not. It's not. Even just last week, they came out with one. Oh, we found one in the Goldilocks zone. No, the sun that's there isn't the right type the sun to actually sustain human life on that planet. We're trying so hard to find so many things that say the earth is not unique and the earth is completely unique. And it's not just that you that you have you know gravitational force and carbon levels and density of materials and elements. It's that there's all these little dials and they're set just right. And if you were to move just one of those dials, it wouldn't just set that one thing up. It would make all the other dials that are there not work at all. Everything set in the right way, in the right place for human life on the earth. This is a strange place that we call home. Now, again, how in the middle of this vast creation does God place humanity? Today, the general estimate is that our observable universe is 10 to the 27th powers meters across. Okay, that's huge. That's incomprehensible. That's why we take a 10 and put a 27 on top and go, that about does it. Because that, that's all we can really do. Like somebody has a ruler and the go out there went, what? You know, this... It's kind of a thing. And now the smallest observable subatomic particle we can measure measures negative 10 to the 26th power across. Again, very small, very little ruler. If you took the average height of all people on the earth, babies, toddlers, junior hires, adults, uh, Andre the giant, dwarves in the middle of Skyrim, and you put them all together, right? We would be an average of one meter tall. You have negative 26, 10 to the 27th power as exactly centered right in the middle of God's creation. You are where you are for a reason. You are made with purpose. Now that I got you thinking, open to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. In the middle of this perfect creation, in this environment, God makes mankind. And he places us here in the midst of all of this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." You see, origins are very important. This is why when you go watch a superhero movie, like Thor, or Batman, or you know, whichever Batman it was when they started the old one or the new one, or Spider-Man, they always give you the origin story so you know where they're coming from because origins are important. Where do we come from? You know, we all want to know where we come from. People ask me all the time, "Where do you come from?" I'm like, "From my mother." Where do you come from? You know, figure figure that out. Genesis lets us know that we come from God, we are made for God, we are going to God. That's the point. Ancient philosophers used to say that if we don't know our origins, we're like a people who stumble out onto a stage and don't know what our lines are supposed to be. Are we the hero, the villain, the playwright? What are we? This speaks to so many problems today because people are lost. They don't know where they come from, they don't know where they're going, but they want to know. Genesis 1.26 answers all of that. I mean, this is it. On, on a Friday, just in time for the weekend, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. People say, what is this our and, and us in, in the middle of this? I thought there was one God. Yes, there is one God. Well, what does the us mean? Is it God and angels? No, it is Father, Spirit, Son, Word, all involved in making man. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And I will tell you, human beings are fascinating. I mean, can you see me? I'm fascinating. No. <laughs> You have a visual cortex. It's connected to a retina. You have 110 million cones and 7 million rods and over 1 million nerve fibers all working in harmony so you can actually see me. You have neural connections in the trillions. Every second, your brain does a trillion computations and not one of your cells are the same. Every couple of seconds, your body is producing 2 to 10 million new red blood cells. You have a 100 million white blood cells stored in the marrow of your bones. And if your body is making this much of you, how does it know to make you and not someone else? Well, every one of those cells in you has about 6 feet of DNA. It's this code that's coiled inside so it knows who you are. If you took all the DNA code out of all of your cells and you laid them end to end, you would have 80 billion miles of instruction that makes you you. That could stretch from here to the sun and back 400 times. Your body is hardwired to be you and no one else. You are not a mistake. You are made with intentionality. See, when God uses the word image and likeness, these are synonyms. So far, everything God creates is according to its kind. Berries make berries, and trees make trees, and animals make animals. But God makes people. You know, we are the only thing that's said to be made this way. Mankind, God makes creation of man different from everything else, different from leptons and quarks and neutron stars. We are completely different. Image and likeness. We have a mind we can love. We get to communicate. You have a body and a spirit. It's even more simple than that. We are the image and likeness of God. John Calvin once said that as a mirror reflects an image, so man is to reflect God. And Before you go all crazy Christian TV on me, I'm not telling you you are God. You are not God. You, okay? You're like, Adam, God's the son, right? That's the difference. We are not God. But yet, when we love, we are showing God as a loving God. And when we forgive, we're showing God as a forgiving God. And we serve, we show that God is a serving God. We were made to reflect his goodness into his creation. And because you are made in the image of likeness of God, you have dignity and value and worth. So many people today, they, they get involved in things and they end up going to recovery at some point. But in the end, what do people truly need to recover? The image and likeness of God. True recovery must get to the point where it understands that it's all about redemption. Realizing who God made us to be. Or you're never going to be in true recovery. See, according to the Bible, your value and worth comes not from your performance, but from creation. It is why, in a Christian family, we're to value all life, young and old, healthy and sick, born and unborn, awake and asleep, whether in your coma or not. We value human life because it's a gift from God, and human life is sacred, and we are set apart from all other life on this planet. And sometimes I hesitate to tell people that, because they think, oh yeah, I'm so wonderful, I'm like God, I'm in the middle of the universe, look at me, woo." You're not. You're horrible. Okay, you're horrible. But Jesus deems to come and saves us. And sometimes you think, well, we're so bad. We're just like the animals. No, you're not an animal and you're not God. You are to be an image bearer of God. And your life is only going to make sense when you understand that. This is why we love people no matter what our work's stupid social hierarchy is. We serve those around us no matter what our neighborhood's stupid social hierarchy is. You know, we, we honor those around us no matter what our friend's stupid social hierarchy is because everyone is made in the image likeness of God. Your worth comes from you being an image bearer of God. God loves you. And as Christians, we are to reflect that. To love his creation and respect people around us. Now, image and likeness also refers to God being a Trinity: Father, Spirit, Son, Word. Okay, He, he experiences perfect community in Himself and relationship within Himself. Being created in God's image means he created you and I for relationships as well. Community. Much of what it means to be an image bearer of God is that we are meant to love those around us and be involved in community with each other. In uh, John 13, 35, Jesus says, By all this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Really? So how are people going to know that we actually love God? that Jesus is real by how we treat each other. And you're not going to do that going living up on a mountain as a monk eating grass. you got to actually interact with people around you so people can see how you love, how God has called you to love. I mean, last year I told you about the study that was done that found that isolated people are three times more likely to die than those with close personal relationships. I showed you that in this study they found that people with bad habits like poor eating, smoking, obesity, alcohol use, but had strong social ties, lived significantly longer lives than those who had great health habits but were isolated. And so I told you, this is why we serve you cookies in the back because better eat Twinkies and cookies with people than eat broccoli alone. Praise God, it's in the Bible, Right? I also showed you in this study that it says if you belong to no groups but decide to join just one in the coming year, you can cut your risk of dying in half. And this is why sin is so detrimental because in Genesis 3, when sin comes into the mix, it separates us from God and separates us from each other. And this is why Jesus comes to reconcile us to God and reconcile us to each other. And then when we start to love each other as unified people, all men will know who Jesus is by how we love one another. That's why God says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now environmentalists will tell you that we're just another type of animal. You're not. You're not. You were meant to have dominion. But dominion is stewardship. That's why I told you last week that that animals around this planet should hope that we all end up being believers because it means we're actually going to take care of them and not exploit them. This is all God's. We're to care for it for Him. You know, again, if you missed last week, listen to it. This all makes sense. You know, and this is why someone who's maybe like a, like a, a Hindu or maybe a New Age person or a tree hugger, they say creation is sacred. You shouldn't chop, you shouldn't eat a cow or chop down a tree. You go to the other direction. You're going to get like a hyper capitalist. It's like it's all about me. It's just me, me, me. I'm going to destroy it all for my gain. They're both wrong in those extremes. But yet you take the center of that, and they're both right. You steward creation well, and you harness its potential to improve and sustain human. Life. You see, we are not animals. Pigs don't take up a collection for the humans lost in the hurricane. And dogs don't form a committee to fix tuberculosis. And, and goats don't get involved in the AIDS crisis. All right? This is self-evident. If you see people walk behind their dogs, say they've got bags in their hands, their dogs poop on the ground, they pick up the poop with this bag in their hand. And you're like, really? We're farther along. We don't leave it laying around, right? The dogs are farther along. They carry their own bag, pick up their own stuff. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him male and female, he created him. And that is also important, male and female. This is a good thing. Girls, I will tell you, you should never want to be a man. All right, we don't even know what to do with us we're like what is this I don't know, we, you know we, we, we're just crazy men and women are different that's a good thing I get so much grief sometimes for saying that men and women are different we are I married a woman she's soft and cuddly she's not bony and doesn't grow hair out of her face like this you know, I lo- she's, she's amazing I, it's good that we're different and boys and girls they are just different you hang out with kids you will see this after any length of time girls will play around in a room boys will run in, and they'll shoot them that's just what boys do Right? It's, it's not good or bad. It's left-handed. It's different, just different. Modern psychology will try to tell you that our culture makes them different. No, our, it's just the way they're made. Boys think peeing in the yard is cool. I will tell you this: my dog middle of the night sometimes she's like, oh, she got to go outside and go pee. I let her out in the backyard. She's going to pee. I figure I'm out there, I may as well go too. So I go to the bathroom in the backyard. My wife does not think it's cool at all. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, she's peeing. Stop peeing <laughs> in the backyard. I'm like. I'm out of here. may as well just do it, you know. Again, you know, we're created just a little bit different. My old dog used to roll in it. I'm like, why would you roll in that? See, I don't roll in it because I'm not an animal. I'm a person. Men and women are different for a reason. You know, we, if my wife and I were the same, one of us would have to die. That's, that's all I'm saying. And what happens because sin enters the world is that men go all chauvinist and women go all feminist and they're like, oh, we gotta be equal to men. I'm gonna smoke and cuss and fart and look at porn and shoot things like a man. You know? No. No. Genesis tells us we are equal because of creation. Only Christianity teaches this. I mean, you look at all the ancient teachers. Oh, so Aristotle, Plato. My goodness. They held women as completely inferior, as worthless. Most major religions today, to get to the core of it, they say women as inferior and worthless. Only Genesis holds men and women created equal but different. I do not need to get in touch with my feminine side, although I do like a pedicure every once in a while, all right? We are image bearers of God if we love each other and reflect the love of the Trinity. And it is in this amazing creation that God puts us in and gives us a job description. And part of this is to create a God-honoring culture. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He tells you, have some kids. Kids are good things. I mean, I told you repeatedly throughout the Song of Solomon that our church is pro-sex in marriage. Have tons of it. In marriage. And have kids. God is pro-marriage, pro-sex, pro-kids. The world doesn't understand this. They think children are some type of burden that gets laid upon us. Oh my goodness, I'm pregnant. What am I going to do? That's a blessing that God gives people. I mean, seriously, the American dream for, like, guys today is like, oh, I'm going to be 80 years old, no ties to anyone, and I'm going to wear wearing a bathroom with four hot young girlfriends. That's what I want to do. That's stupid. The book of Genesis says the dream is an 80-year-old man and an 80-year-old woman surrounded by their children and grandchildren blessing each other. I mean, the Bible is not unclear about it. its focus. Men and women equal, marry each other, have kids, blessing not a burden, honor God with their lives, grow old together. I mean too often we're so afraid to even live what God calls us to. You know, oh I'm, I'm a Christian, I live my life. Like, Say it. Live it. Let people see what it's supposed to be. I mean, you want to be a countercultural freak? I'll tell you what, have some kids and raise them by being their parent and not their buddy. That's being countercultural. Wild and crazy. Oh, I'm heterosexual and I go to work and I'm drug-free and I raise my kids. Whoa! What's wrong with you? Seriously. Honestly, if you love God and you love each other, you move forward as God intends, you get married, you have kids, eventually you're longer going to be the back end of society. You're going to be from where culture begins to flow from and our world begins to be changed. That's the mandate of Genesis 1, understanding this, why God places us in the middle of this creation. We should live as God intends. So people around us say, what is different about you? And we say the tomb is empty, God's alive, He fixes things. Do you want to know Him? I mean, that's how we live. And rather than from running from culture and hiding from it, we need to lovingly transform the culture. We need to be involved. We need to be involved. I don't mean you run around and hold signs and put your finger in people's face. You, your agenda is Jesus in everything you do. It is Jesus, period even in how you work. We're going to talk about work next week just a little bit. I will tell you, nothing you do is secular. Guys, Be you're a student, a dishwasher, maybe you have a bike route, you wash cars, you work at a hair salon, Pier 1, work at the base, whatever it is, nothing you do is secular. It's all sacred, all of it. Because people are watching how you live and what you do. And it's a great work that we do with our lives on this planet in front of others. It's been trusted by God to you to display His image to all people. Verse 28, And God said, Behold, I give you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. Every pothead loves that verse. Oh, they love that and like, don't judge me, right? Those are the two words. Oh, I like those two things. Seriously, if you read that verse, that means you've got to eat it. You can't smoke it. So maybe you've got glycoma or something, but not like 1 a.m. watching YouTube and eating Fritos. Okay, that's not how it works. Every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 1. Bam, right there. Do you know that the word for human, that we call each other human, actually comes from the Latin root for Humility. To be the people God intends in the midst of all the glory that he has placed us in means for us to be humble humans. God has created some amazing things from quarks and leptons to neutron stars and light and yet he considers humanity to be his greatest creation. That is not to give us a big head at all. It should be a humbling thing to make us realize that God did all of this out of love. I mean Genesis tells us we become home by realizing that we are not God. We don't We don't boast and brag like we're the center of the universe, even if in some small way we actually are. Everybody doesn't need to bow to us. We are not God. Genesis reminds us that we are different from all of creation. We do not need to give in to our desires and our passions. We know our place. And none of that will ever make sense to anyone unless they are connected to God. God, Spirit, Son, Word, one God, triune. It is sad because today most of our greatness is working for great evil in our world. And this is why our world's in the mess that it is. We're trying to do our best to deny that God that made us and God that set everything in motion. This is why as Christians we're to live lives where we don't live as our own God. We don't live as individuals. We live corporately as a community loving and serving God together. You will see in a couple of weeks that when the fall happens, the fall has ramifications for all people of all ages for all time. But even in the midst of that, God's plan was that all that was lost in Adam when he fell and sinned and caused all that separation was regained in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 to 49, it says... Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, that's Jesus. As was the man of dust, so are also those who are of the dust. That's you and I. As is the man of heaven, so are also those who are of heaven, those who have believed and trusted Jesus Christ with their life. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of of heaven what it tells you is that in chapter three when adam failed jesus comes and he succeeds where adam was faithless jesus was faithful where adam was sinful jesus was sinless where adam doesn't finish the work that god gave him to do jesus finishes the work that god gives him to do our sins are placed upon him and jesus cries out on the cross it is finished work done And now we get to have a relationship with God and others and become new people. And we can love and serve and help and care and begin to actually make this culture the one that God has called it to. This is the reason why it took us five weeks to get out of Genesis 1 because you have to understand the progression of all of it and that where it's talked about in the book of Romans that that all of creation are waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Yes, they are. It's waiting for us to actually begin to live the life that God calls us to live, the redeemed and restored life. The question really is, after all the beauty and wonder that God has made and placed us within, what are we then making? How are we then living our life? How are we making a difference by what we do and how we live, and what people see in us? This is the point of being a redeemed creation, living together, doing this on mission together. Because we are to come in and understand in all of the wonder that God has made, he places us in the center of it. For a reason, and the reason is not ourselves, just to go all, hey, it's all about me on the center. No, it's about focusing on him and who he is and what he has done. Then you and I are beginning to live on mission for. This is one of the reasons we do bring you to communion every single week. Because communion is the place where we remember that our great God came as Jesus and died for our sins. So you break that cracker like his body is broken for you and I. You dip it in the wine and the grape juice, reminding us of his blood that was shed for you and I. So that we can be this redeemed people. The band's going to come up. Do a couple songs, and as they do, uh, we do invite you guys to take communion, to participate in worship. In that, there'll be some deacons and elders in the back. And if you guys need prayer for anything, I mean, maybe you are somebody who has actually been in recovery most of your life, and you've never realized that in the end, it's about redemption and recovering the true image of God that you and I were created in. Go and pray with them. Um, we can get you plugged in and talk to some other people, and hopefully, get you on that journey to understand what true recovery is. Um, and it's and it is a process. It's not just like oh, image of God, boom, done. It's 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 a process. It's 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 a walking through. But it's understanding who God originally created us to be, and that you are a child of the King. Um, we'll worship God through giving these offering boxes on the side wall in the back. We give because God gave so much to us. Giving is then simply it's just simply part of our worship. So we just do that every week. And there's food and stuff in the back, and and I think they're like sweets and cookies because again, eat it with friends. It's better for you than broccoli alone. Okay. <laughs> I'm just being biblical, all right? Um, Drink some coffee, get to know some people, and, and hopefully you will begin to develop some of these relationships so you don't have to do life alone. You don't have to do life isolated. You can begin to understand who God originally created us to be and how He intends for us to live in community, worshiping and loving Him. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you so much for being a God who longs to restore and redeem us to who you made us to be that you do not just leave us on our own and alone that you come and you restore us and you call us home I ask that we would understand that you are the one who sits on the throne and not us and that is to your name that we're here to bring glory and honor and power forever and ever that our hearts and lives would be completely yours as we are redeemed and we are restored that we would trust you and more than trust you that would translate into how we live our lives in the center of this vast creation that you so wonderfully and creatively made and placed us here for a reason and that reason is to glorify you And we glorify you being great joy to your people. Teach us daily how to live as your restored and redeemed humanity. As humble people honoring you with all of our lives. We ask these things in your son's good and gracious name. Amen.